Hello, and welcome to This is Purdue, the official podcast for Purdue University. Our conversations and stories feature Boilermaker students, faculty, and alumni taking small steps toward their giant leaps and inspiring others to do the same. The United States has baseball and apple pie. Purdue University has its glee club. Rich with tradition, the Purdue Varsity Glee Club is, for many, synonymous with the joy of the Purdue experience. Its theatrical music and traditions are a source of comfort and belonging for its members and all alumni, while its performances bring families together and help friends reconnect. And don't be surprised if the music and the memories bring a tear. Traditions are typically thought of as being from the past, but for me, a tradition is what helps strengthen the future. It's essential for the Glee Club to look at its past traditions and, and hold them with respect. I think it's important that we hold true to the ones we've had for many, many years, but I do think there's opportunities for new ones to happen and uh, new ones to come about. The canes were originally part of the full dress uniform, which is a tuxedo with a white vest and a white bow tie, and it used to include a top hat, white gloves, and a cane. The cane now is used as a memento that we give to the seniors as they graduate. Um, it's kind of a way for us to connect to our past, and uh, each senior that graduates from Glee Club uh, is presented a cane at end of season, has their name embossed with their uh, major and their years of service with the Glee Club. For them, I know it really is akin to receiving your diploma. You know, it's like your, your graduation certificate from the Glee Club. The people you've met and the experiences you've had and the, and the friends you've made, it's like all one big package and you're given this cane as a commemoration for that. When you walk into somebody's home, you see a cane on display, you're gonna ask, well, what is this? What is the Glee Club? And then. Of course, they can, they'll recall all of these great experiences. See everybody step to a syncopated rhythm. Let's be going with them when they begin a crazy rhythm. We'll be saying, yeah, the band is grand. A lot of these guys uh, take a great deal of pride in receiving this cane uh, because it shows um, they've made this journey. It would mean that I achieved something very important. The next tradition is the tradition of the carnation. In each full show, we wear our tuxedo, we wear a carnation on the left lapel, and after the show we present it to the most lovely audience member, or whoever we see afterwards that we feel is deserving of the carnation. Winds with dreary voices sighing all night long. I sang this run out to the lady and she came up tears saying that her son was named Jason and he passed away a couple years ago, so it was really it was a really touching moment when I got to give her a carnation, and that's something that she'll always remember, and I know that she was really flattered and really touched by it. The first carnation I gave to my grandmother um, when I was a freshman, my first show on First Nighter, um, she still has it, and as wrinkled and shriveled as it is, she still has it, and she still cherishes it very much. All of the audience members feel that kind of excitement, and then when you're given something else on their way out as a memento, I mean, it really does kind of cap the whole experience for them, where they feel like, wow, I truly was taken care of and I've never felt like that before. We encourage you to give it to someone new each time just to make sure that many people get to experience the carnation. 
it's just like a special bond that you can have with an audience member that um, I know no other groups that do that and I'm very privileged to do that. The lavalier is a, is a privilege that's given to each senior. Throughout their senior year, they're given two lavaliers and they're two, given to two important people in their life, uh, their mother and, and traditionally it's the person that they intend to marry. As of the last few years, it's been the guy stands on stage and sings a solo to their mother and tells them how much they mean to them. It's a very special moment because it's, for some people it's their only chance to sing a solo on stage because not everyone is called down during their time in the glee club. But as a lavalier, you, when you're giving the lavalier, you get the chance to pick a song that you get to sing that is something special to the person you're presenting it to and to yourself. Even the strongest of soloists that get up to do their lavalier, there's a, a bit of nerves involved because it's really, uh, you can tell these guys are passionate about what they do um, from every standpoint. Um, and then when they get their mom on stage with them, it really does bring it home to them as, as to what they really are doing and how much it means to the people who have are supporting them in so many different ways. You see these guys who are really pretty stoic and uh, they have lots of emotion and very lots of pride in what they do and then they get on stage with their mom and you can see the defenses kind of break down and it's really pretty touching to see. I've seen some really great moments on stage with guys and their moms and uh, it gets me every time. That's one of the great traditions that I'm that I will hold on to and we will never let go of. It's really really great. The Silverloop Singers started two years ago with a group of three guys that would put on red blazers and get on the Silver Loop and start singing. The Silver Loop is a city bus route that goes through campus. We just sing for free uh, just to kind of brighten the students' day on Friday at the end of a long week. Um, and that's probably where it'll stay, I, I assume. I don't think we're going to try to make it big or go to LA or anything like that. We sat down with a guitar um, and uh, started singing some songs on the, from the radio and writing some harmonies and then uh, we asked ourselves, you know, what are we going to do with this? You know, we could sing somewhere, uh, somehow, and someone, I forget who it was, just brought the idea, well, what if we sang on the Silver Loop bus? And it was like, oh, that'd be a good idea. We'd call ourselves the Silver Loop Singers. They sat on this bus for, I don't know how many hours, just riding the, the Silver Loop, um, playing their songs and singing, and entertaining people on the bus. There could be two people on the bus, there could be, you know, every seat's full and people are standing. Uh, it's just fun to sing for people. They weren't, you know, making themselves known as the Glee Club. They just wanted people to be, uh, to be happy on the bus, and they loved singing. So they thought, well, what a great way to spend a couple of hours just entertaining. And it was really a pretty fun thing to see them do. It'd be fun to come back 20 years from now and see people singing on the Silver Loop. I think that'd be uh, really interesting if we did pass it on, uh, like Jason said, if we come back and you know, hey, we can hop on the Silver Loop and uh, see some guys you know, doing the same kind of thing um, that we started, you know, it, it, it'd be fulfilling, I think. It isn't just when the lights are on them, it's when no one's looking, are you giving your very best in everything you're doing? And these traditions, I think, can all hold true to that. Traditions are what kept the group running in years past. It's what we base who we are today off of. And so the fact that we can look back and see that we're doing the same thing, but we can still improve on that and grow as people and as performers and as men, I think it's a great thing. For me it's always been about the student. What are they going to get from this experience? Is the traditions that they're holding right now, are they working for them? Are they allowing them to be a better person? The traditions are important to the Glee Club because they form the foundation for what the Glee Club is. Each year the Glee Club changes and brings in new members and loses old members, but it's the traditions that keep the Glee Club the same throughout the years. 
you can always start a tradition, and I just think as long as we keep the old ones intact, that uh, everyone who's been a part of the Glee Club in the past and will be a part of the Glee Club in the future will be happy with that. There are the steadfast traditions that we've, that the organization's had since its inception that we really do take a lot of pride in. I know that the history and traditions here is what continues to make this group grow. And I think each and every year, I hope that our traditions, um, if whether they're new or old, will continue to work with that current group and allow those guys to grow. Would you know the sound of an unfettered rainforest? Could you pick out the distinct refrains of shifting coastal tides in Alaska? Sound is a major characteristic of every major ecosystem on Earth. A group at Purdue, led by Brian Pijanowski, professor of soundscape ecology, has been recording and archiving soundscapes from around the world to study our planet's ever-changing sounds. Here's a sampling for your ears of what's happening at Purdue's Center for Global Soundscapes. A soundscape is a collection of all sounds that occur at a place. And what we do is we try to identify three different kinds of sounds based upon their sources. It can be biological, geophysical, and, or from anthropology sources, so it's a sound composition. And it depends of the source of the sounds, but as well the trans transmission of the sounds from the emission to you, you are the receiver of the sounds. Biological organisms need to produce sounds for a variety of reasons. And so nature, in, in, in all of its splendor and, and beauty, uh, produces sounds that are uh, phenomenally complex. And we use those sounds as an ecologist to understand natural systems. So those are the biological sounds. And then there's the geophysical. This is the wind, the water, the thunder, the avalanches, even the rumbling of of the ground. And then the third source of sounds are the sounds that we make, humans. There have been people talking about soundscapes from since about the 1960s. And most of them are in um, the fields of humanities, the fields of music. Uh, so it really wasn't until probably the late 1990s that ecologists began to think about using sound in more creative ways other than just, say, putting a microphone out and recording a bird song. The field of soundscape ecology is virtually brand new. 2011 was really the big splash where there's a small group of us that put together these ideas and and a paper and we've got maybe uh, 30 or 40 people around the world that have kind of adopted this new paradigm of going out and recording um, everything that we hear and analyzing everything that we hear. We have like the lab laboratories, Center for Global Soundscapes. 
the objectives of the center is to increase the knowledge about soundscape first and value ecosystems and soundscapes of the ecosystems to be able to conserve the, the soundscape of the ecosystems. We uh, place microphones uh, out in the wild and then collect uh, sounds and then for long periods of time. When we arrive on the area, we uh, analyze the area, choose location and put this recorder and we let them run as long as we are in the field. So what we have are these, uh, what's called passive automated recorders. There are boxes of two microphones sitting off the side, about the same spacing as our ears. So we have a really, when we record it, you put your headphones on, it seems like you're just there. It's really kind of cool. And inside that recorder is uh, a power supply. So you got batteries and then chips are very similar to the chips we use in our cell phones, and then a programmable interface where we can tell it to start and stop and what all the parameters are. It's really easy. You can just attach the box on a tree trunk, and then you close the box and you let it run for as long as you want. We place these strategically across the landscape in ways that help us to understand the diversity of the sounds that occur there and then how it's related to the diversity of the habitat. You save all these data on the computer, so you need a lot of space. Uh, we have a big server here in Purdue to do that. What we're generating truly is big data. I mean, we can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the physicists and the genomics folks that are generating massive amounts of data. So Purdue is just right. We have the cyber infrastructure to be able to do that kind of work. I can move terabytes of data around on this campus without worrying about it. Purdue is a perfect place to do this kind of work for a variety of reasons. It, it does fit the STEM model. Science, technology, engineering, and math, we do it all. What is interesting with Soundscape is it's the middle of a lot of um, domain of, of research. We're just, just so interdisciplinary. I have ecologists, social scientists, engineers, and, and musicians, and we're all working together to kind of study Soundscapes from all of our disciplinary perspectives. I want to see us build uh, a, a, a global library of Soundscapes where scientists can share and uh, begin to really fully appreciate uh, all the diversity of sounds that we have on this planet. We've got a huge citizen science effort that's called Record the Earth. So every Earth Day we try to get people to whip out their cell phones, download our app and record their soundscape, upload it to our server and listen and share. We have um, a uh, Just Listen uh, IMAX movie that will be uh, coming out sometime next year and what we're going to do is we're going to have kids from grades 5 through 7 file into an IMAX movie theater and just get blasted by global soundscapes from all over the place. I hope to inspire kids to go into STEM and to really care more about nature and turn their ears back on. To listen to more Global Soundscapes, go to www.globalsoundscapes.org. Thanks for listening to This is Purdue. For more information on this episode, visit our website at purdue.edu slash podcast. There, you can route to your favorite podcast app to subscribe and leave a review. As always, boiler up. <laughs>